I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. And welcome to episode 19 of List Makers, where today's topic is the top five worst classic <laughs> stories. Are we really doing this, Dave? We're really doing this. I'm, I'm actually quite looking forward to it. I think it's sometimes fun to do worst lists. Look, this is, as always, The List Makers, a monthly mini podcast from The Doctor Who Show, a top five topic, make lists, and then discuss and have a chat. Mm-hmm. We don't interrupt each other. We just go forward and make them. Rob, we got off top five classic companions last time, yes. which was tough. We now had to narrow 158 stories <laughs> down to five worst. Yes. Uh, look, I've had some fun doing this. I hope you have too. It's your turn to go first. Alrighty, Dave. In at number five, I'm going with the underwater menace. The uh, discontinuity guide famously calls this Doctor Who's version of Plan 9 from Outer Space, uh, which is the Ed Wood film regarded as the worst film ever made. And it's right, because if you were to describe this story to someone as, well, it's Doctor Who finds Atlantis, that, that, that would sound quite... Great, wouldn't it? But in reality, it's just terrible. Uh, all the main cast thought this was the pits. They hated the director. Apparently, she'd be bursting into tears all the time on the set. It was just a nightmare to make. It's even worse to watch. It is, in a word, pantomime. I was surprised, Dave, when it got a DVD release, and that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> Moving on. Yes. <laughs> Number four, The Leisure Hive. I'm picking this one here more for what it represents than the actual story, if that makes sense. Because what it represents is change in so many areas. You know, the the credits, the theme music, Tom's costume, the production team. You know, we've got J&T and Christopher H. Bidmead in the big seats. The step away from comedy in the series. The leaning into science, which Doctor Who had flirted with before, but never really went for in quite the same way as under Christopher H. Bidmead. And the script is just Scooby-Doo, isn't it? It's someone disguised trying to cause trouble in an amusement park. <laughs> you know, this is this is very Scooby-Doo uh, until those damn Time Lords come in and ruin their fun. You know, David Fisher, I see right through this. You've, you've just rewritten a Scooby-Doo episode. It's horrible. <laughs> Moving on, number three, Time Flight. Wow, this is one of those stories where you think, if you were a writer in the early 80s, ignoring that it would be the end of season, we've run out of money story, ignoring all of that, would you still propose this as a story, honestly believing that the BBC could achieve it and make it look half decent for the audience? You'd have to be bloody mad. And further, even if you did believe that, and even if the BBC could make it look okay, is it a very good story anyway? I think the answers are no all around. It's a silly story, and the production on top of that makes it suck hard. <laughs> number two, Time and the Rani. This was a solid contender for my number one spot, I'll be honest. And now that people hear it at number two, they might even be able to guess what I've put in at number one. But what can you say that hasn't already been said a hundred times about this one? It tries, it tries so hard, Dave, to be super scientific, but coming from the Megabyte modem team of Pip and Jane Baker, I'm not sure that's a very wise thing to be trying. You know, I'll just throw that out there. And as a Doctor's debut, it's underwhelming. Sly McCoy really has no idea what he's doing. And it's generally 1980s children's TV acting at its worst. Bonnie just adds to the confusion. Oh, it's horrible. I can see why some people like it. It's so bad. It's good to them. But to me, it's just bad. 
The worst story of all, Rob? Uh, it's no, I'm, I'm not doing anything profound here, Dave. I'm a very straightforward list this time. It's the twin dilemma. I know there are listeners out there who'll be like, no, don't kick poor Colin. You know, there really is a defensive shield around Colin Baker these days, perhaps born of the way his era did cop such a kicking at the time. And, and and ever since, really, I, I think it's certainly played its part in people re-evaluating him on Big Finish, but I hasten to add a lot of his work there is very good in its own right, so that's probably a fair thing to do. Um, but look, this story, gosh, it's just dire. It's boring. It's cheap. The acting is atrocious, especially from those two kids. It's an out-and-out embarrassment. That's a very good list, Rob. Well, I've, I've got comments. I've got comments. Okay. But uh, I'll do mine we first. We need yours, yes. Uh, how many snaps, you reckon? Oh, uh, two. There's only one. One, okay. Close. Close. But that does mean we've got uh, four unmentioned stories plus a snap, so I will dive into my list. Okay. Number five. I'm sorry I have to do it, but I've had to put a Trout and Story in there, mm-hmm. and I have put in The Dominators. Yeah. The unfortunate reality is when you have a story about a bunch of aliens invading a planet, and by about halfway through part three, you desperately want the aliens to win because you hate the goodies <laughs> so much, your story probably hasn't succeeded. And the Dolcians are just the worst sort of lost in space, bad classic Trek cliche planet of the hippies and they're not interesting (laughs) they're boring and i frankly wish the dominators had wiped them all out because the dominators are far more interesting yeah morris barry tries to do something with the location work and that's not bad but there's a lot of silly overacting there's a lot of bad design and it's just i guess a mess of a story in so many ways Mm-hmm. Number four, a predictable one from me, and one that, Rob, you could probably predict that I was going to have, and that is Season 17's Creature from the Pit. Yeah. Now, look, I enjoy a lot of Season 17. I've said before, I don't want all of Doctor Who to be like Season 17, but I'm really happy Season 17 exists. Most of it's really fun and enjoyable. Creature from the Pit is not. It's mm-hmm. a really... St- stupid concept of a story done really badly with no sense of discipline at all. Tommy's completely off the leash and just on a different set to everybody else. Lala is, I suspect, in a bad mood with Tom and just kind of phoning it in in a way that I'm not used to from Lala Ward. The design is embarrassing. I mean, Arato is laugh out loud embarrassing and the production team knew that when they saw it come around the corner for the first time it's cheap it's nasty jeffrey balden tries but even he can't raise this there's casual anti-semitism as well which you know enshrines it on the list but it is it is the failure of that part of the tom baker era mm. number three was one i thought long and hard about and i had to put it on the list and it is an example where its issues overcome fantastic production and that is Mind Warp. Okay. Now, I will concede what a lot of Mind Warp's defenders say. It looks fantastic. It is visually spectacular. The filming location, the set design, the costumes, the cast, the music. It's really, really well done as a production. I get that. Mm. But I find it a horrible story to watch. The morality in it is all over the shop. The way in which it's ambiguous what the Doctor's doing. Is he pretending to go along with Sue, in which case he's being a real arsehole and knows it? Is Mm. he under the influence of the machine? Is the Matrix lying, in which case why weren't we shown that? That is a mess and it's very uncomfortable. But the moment where 
Perry says genuinely to the Doctor, I'm frightened and I want to leave. And the Doctor says with his body language and his tone, I don't give a hoot, I'm just going to go here. And it ends with Perry, if not dying, being abandoned on the planet. It's a nasty story. Doctor mm-hmm. Who shouldn't be like that. I don't like it. Number three on my list. Mm-hmm. Number two is The Snap. Okay. And that snap is, I'm sorry, Robert, the Davo. It is time flight. Fair enough. <laughs> for all of the reasons that you said. And look, if I, you need another reason why this is a really embarrassingly bad story, just close your eyes and think, shara, sharam, shara. <laughs> what he's only doing there? This just, um, you know, as others have said, it, it, it gets away with being problematic because no one's quite sure what it actually is. You know, yeah. what, you know, is it Arabian? Is it Asian? Oh, who knows? It's just weird. Uh, the plot's terrible. It has no dramatic conclusion whatsoever. Even towards the end, it's all about once the master gets the Xerophons in his TARDIS, he'll be invincible. And then it ends with, oh, actually, the Xerophons can probably look after themselves. It's not a problem anyway. <laughs> It's got nothing going on. It's boring. I'm really sad about that because I like Peter Grimway and I like his other two stories. I like his direction. This is a flop. Yep. Number one. Okay. We can sometimes live with weak stories that are produced well. We can sometimes live with good stories that are made on a shoestring budget. We're Doctor Who fans. We're used to that. Mm -hmm. But a bad story made with no budget is a problem in Underworld is that story. This is the worst story of Doctor Who made. It is boring. It is drab. It has no money. Tom is not good Tom at all. He's ill-disciplined Tom. The guest cast, I think, have just gone, you know what, nobody else cares, so why should we? Yeah. And it looks awful. I just don't have anything positive to say about Underworld. Some people defend episode one. I think that's pretty boring too, and it gets worse from there. And then you've got the two stupid condom robots. You've got the mad scientist computer. Oh, there's nothing there to like. There's nothing there to like. It is my worst story. And it almost made my list. It almost made your list. I'll tell you one that almost made my list that was your number one, and that's Twin Dilemma. Yeah. I thought long and hard about that, but I am very much of the school that episode one of Twin Dilemma, standing alone, is probably the worst individual 25 minutes of Doctor Who ever made. Yeah. But if you start the story at part two, I find it a perfectly serviceable B-movie type romp. Mm. And so I find it hard to kick it. Look, it would be in my top 10. I'm not going to deny that, but uh, it just missed, missed out there. Yeah, because when we talk about problematic and mind warp, you know, we're chopping Perry's head off and putting another brain yeah. in there and such. Sure, Twin Dilemma, Colin is going to crush her windpipe and kill her unless, you know, until he looks in that mirror. You know, it's not good. No, it's it's not good. And, and look, oh, as I as I think more and more about it, I do sort of maybe feel maybe, maybe the Dominators is going to get a save and I could put the Twin Dilemma in at number five. Look, I didn't, but look, it, it's one that could easily have been there. Uh, another that you had that I thought about was your number two. That's Time and the Rani. Again, the reason I didn't is actually something that you said about it in its mitigation, Rob, and that is that I can see it trying. Mm. I can see the story trying to be interesting. I can see the set design trying to do something with a rush budget. I can see the director trying to make a quarry work. Uh, the special effects are actually pretty pretty good. The tet traps are pretty cool. Well, I would say the tet traps particularly are one of 
I'm going to say it, one of the best realised monsters in all of 80s Who. I mean, probably the Hemivores are the best. Yeah. But the Tetraps are actually up there to a fair degree for mine. I will say that. Yeah, so look, there were enough little bits where I could see it trying that I didn't put it in the top five. And look, as you said, look, McCoy is just all over the shop there. I can remember being in a meeting where we showed that story and when mm. people's first glimpse of McCoy is him standing in the umbrella, I'll smash it to pieces! And everyone's just, you know, got their hands in their heads and they're putting paper bags over their heads. <laughs> oh, nobody wanted to be a Doctor Who fan at that point. No, no. It's, it's terrible. I, I think it's his first time in the role. He really doesn't know what to do. And it's not a great script either. I mean, if there was something amazing written on the page, maybe he could have leaned into that and it would come across all right. But when you've got nothing to work with and you don't know what you're doing, (laughs) it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, look, I think we all know that once the production team worked out what McCoy could do and what he did well Mm. and started writing to that, he, he, he went in a whole different direction. And, I mean, you watch Curse of Fenric and Time and the Rani back to back. And you would be amazed to know that that was the same character. Yeah, like just, uh, what, a couple of years apart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and look, Remembrance of the Daleks is one of my all-time favourite Doctor Who shows, so it's not like I've got an issue with McCoy. Far from it, actually. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally see where you're coming from there. I'm really happy you put the Leisure Hive in. Okay, let's talk about it. I... Was it the Scooby-Doo bit? <laughs> it's partly the Scooby-Doo bit. The whole, you mentioned for Muzzy. <laughs> but it's mostly that every time I put on the Leisure Hive, I sit there and I think to myself, I should enjoy this story because this is a big deal. It's amazing production values. It's the one that sets off my favorite, one of my favorite seasons. I should like it. And within about 10 minutes, I am utterly, utterly bored. Yeah. And it doesn't go anywhere. I, I just, it's just lots of people standing around having very dull conversations in very dull sets, interspersed with big fat aliens in nylon stocking costumes. Just, oh, it's, um, yeah. it's really dull. It looks great. It's another one like Mind Warp that looks great. But I, I, I actually think that the Leisure Hive is the Emperor without clothing. Right. Well, look, I will just say you've described my feelings very well because there have been times over the last 10 years or so where I've taken it off the shelf and gone, oh, yeah, it's the start of the new era. We've got the new music, the new credits, and it's got that big tracking shot at the start on the beach. And, oh, yeah, I think I like this one, don't I? And then I get 10 minutes in, it's like, no, oh, no, God, I don't like this one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Tom is obviously very, very pissed off that he has to play an old man for an episode and he's just not having fun. No. Uh, any on my list that was surprised you or you want to comment on? Uh, having a pat on there, when, when you said you had a pat, I knew which one it was going to be from when we had looked at that. Did we look at that season? We didn't look at that story on its own, surely. We looked at that season, didn't we? We looked at that... Did we? We might have. Because <laughs> I've heard your comments on that story before. And in my, in my... We, we looked at the era. The era, that's what it was. Yeah, because I knew when you said pat, I thought... I. I bet I know what it's going to be. And and you're right. These pacifists running around. You just want them to be blown up. Isn't that a terrible thing to say? Yeah, it, it is. When 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 um, Rago comes in and just sort of wipes out the, the high council of the of the uh, the Dulcians, I'm just cheering at that point. 
And it's a shame as well, because look, I think what they're trying to do is, is worthy. I think that the quarks are a really interesting design. Mm-hmm. It's just dull. Yeah, that's it. That's its biggest crime, I think. It's just hard to get through. There are other Doctor Whos that are hard to get through, but there is some sort of redeeming feature <laughs> that you can at least point to. This one, I'm, I'm struggling to think of any. Yeah, look, the Armageddon fact is another one that I find deathly, deathly dull. But I think Tom is a bit more restrained in that. Mary Tam is doing really well. You've got Lala Ward giving it her all. You've at least got some movement between three different locations, three different planets to sort of keep you going a little bit. Although Armageddon Factor would be, you know, pushing for the top 10 on my list. It at least has got something going on. Mm, If we had done top 10s, yeah, I think some of yours might have made it into mine. And uh, some of mine might have made it into yours. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that most of yours would have made it into mine. I honestly considered the underwater menace. I, I you did. I okay. did. I I appreciate what everyone says, and I agree in part that seeing episode two did lift it. I think episode three is the weakest of them. And look, I agree that Patrick Trout is doing a lot in episode two that lifts it a bit. But the concept is still kind of stupid, and the execution is just kind of naff. Yeah, yeah. And look, like like I said, even though Troughton is lifting it, he's one of the cast members who thought it was the pits. He particularly didn't like the director. There are some choice quotes from him about the director that, that get made on the DVD. Uh, I think it's the DVD commentary, now that I think of it. Yeah, he really didn't like that director. And I think that that comes out on screen. I think that it's amazing the number of times when you hear about a situation behind the cameras that was not working out where directors were falling out and they all turn out to be terrible stories i don't think it's a coincidence no it was such a tight turnaround especially back in those days i mean it still is today on the show but back in those days just crazy and you really had to be on your your a game and if you weren't it would show i think fair enough well we are out of time look i had some fun doing that i think we did it with our tongue firmly in our cheek as always <laughs> listeners uh let us know what you think defend the favorites that we just slaughtered tell us yeah. what obvious things we missed out tell, tell us why time and the rani is a forgotten masterpiece or <laughs> something yeah absolutely but once again time to reach in and pick out our topic for next time here we go and the, that is yeah. okay top five monsters Oh, well, that's broad. <laughs> that is broad. Um, okay. Well, we will put together those lists. But until then, I've been Dave. I've been Rob. And we will speak about monsters soon. We will. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.